Lord, as we do celebrate the birthday of this great nation, Lord, I do, just remembering our history, Lord, that we were a nation founded upon godly principles. We were a nation who, whose motto is that, in God we trust. And now as we look at our nation, there are many voices out there that want to strip God out of everything. And Lord, we just pray for a revival. Lord, we can stand, we can shout, we can do all kinds of things, but Lord, unless your spirit is poured out upon this nation, unless hearts are changed, the nation won't change. Lord, you've done it before. We think back to great awakenings that have swept through the nation, turning hearts to Christ. Lord, we pray for that once again. That you would turn hearts to see you and to trust in you. Oh, that this nation would be a nation that seeks after the Lord. Now today, Lord, as we study this passage in Matthew chapter 13, and we look at the kingdom, your kingdom, kingdom of heaven, knowing that as a church, Lord, we are part of that kingdom. We represent that kingdom here on earth. So, Lord, speak to our hearts today. Let us hear your word. And let us obey your voice. And Lord, if there are those today here who have turned a deaf ear to your word and have blind eyes that cannot see, Lord, open their eyes, open their ears, let them hear, let them see, let them Know Jesus and turn to him today. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Matthew, not Genesis, Matthew. Matthew chapter 13. We finished up our series in Genesis and the life of, of Abraham. And now we turn to Matthew chapter 13, looking at the kingdom parables there. This will be a, a little shorter series than the Genesis series. So uh, we'll, we'll look at those today as you're finding your place there. Today we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 through 17, looking for the purpose of parables, the purpose of parables. As you find your place there, let me just read the first couple of verses, first few verses there in Matthew chapter 13 to kind of Set the context. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables. He told them many things in parables. As we began this series, the problem with, you know, kind of jumping in the middle of a book is you don't get the context that comes before it. 
And so if, you don't, if you're not careful, you kind of miss what's going on. So as we begin this series, I want to, to kind of walk you through what's been happening in Matthew thus far, at least what's Matthew's purpose for writing and, and leading up to this section that we're going to be studying in more detail. As we think about the, the, the purpose of the parables, uh, we, we identify and, and think about what Matthew is. What's the, what's the purpose of Matthew? What, why did Matthew write the gospel that he wrote? I mean, he wasn't the only gospel writer, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospel writers. And each writer has a specific purpose for writing those individual books. That's why you kind of get a different flavor in each one. They're different authors, but they're also writing for different purposes. And so as we think about Matthew and, and talk about what was his purpose, the purpose of Matthew is to point out that Jesus Christ is the king of God's kingdom. Jesus Christ is the king of God's kingdom. If you were to turn back, and you don't have to turn there now, just keep your place there, but if you look back at, at chapter 1 of Matthew, right from the very beginning, you see this starting to play out in Matthew's gospel. As he begins the book there in verse 1 of chapter 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, see that? The son of David, the king, and the son of Abraham. And so he, he wants to point out over and over again that this is Jesus, the son of David, who is the rightful heir to the, to the throne of God's kingdom. Even if you go down a little past that, you see the, the uh, birth narrative, the nativity, as it's presented to us in Matthew. And, and you go down into, into verse 20, and you already kind of get this whole thing set up there that Mary has been, uh, who's been betrothed to Joseph, now she is found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And, and Joseph, he wants to, you know, he's a good man, a loving man, and he, and he don't want to dishonor Mary, so he's going to just divorce her quietly because in his eyes she's been unfaithful. But the angel of the Lord comes to Joseph in a dream and says, Joseph... Son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And so again, he is bringing this point out. This is, uh, Joseph is the son of David. He is of the line and the lineage of David. And so Jesus is going to be a son of David in the line of David. And again, in chapter 2, as Jesus is born, then Matthew records the coming of the Magi, of the wise men. And the, the Magi come in search of the king of the Jews. They ask the people there in Jerusalem, where is he who has been born king of the Jews and their studies as they've been studying the ancient, ancient literature, the ancient writings of the Jews. They have come across uh, all of this information and they have determined that this star that they've been seeing is a sign of the birth of the coming king of the Jews. And so they come looking for the king of the Jews. 
And so you get this throughout the book of Matthew, throughout the gospel of Matthew. His point in writing the book is to point out that Jesus is indeed the promised king of God's kingdom. And as we come to this this section, this chapter 13, and we come to the kingdom parables, Jesus begins to speak in parables, and, and he begins particularly to speak in these parables about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And one thing that we need to remember as we think about that is this, that you cannot separate the king from his kingdom, right? So when we talk about kingdom parables, uh, just because they're about the kingdom doesn't mean they're not about the king because you can't separate the king from his kingdom. All of this is to point us to Jesus. So though, we, though he has here many things to say about the kingdom of heaven, we see today, I, I want us to see this today, that the chief purpose in the kingdom parables is this, to show us this, that the way to enter God's kingdom is through faith in God's king, Jesus Christ. You get that? The way to enter God's kingdom is through faith in God's king, Jesus Christ. We need to see that and we need to understand that today. So if you found your place there, and surely you have by now, stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 10. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their eyes, they can barely hear, or excuse me, with their ears, they can barely hear. And their eyes, they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Amen. May the Lord have blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated.
So I want us to get into this today, and, and you notice there that I skipped over a section there. Jesus begins telling a parable, and we'll actually look at that parable next week. But I thought as we get into this discussion about kingdom parables, surely we should probably start with why parables? What's the purpose of parables? So that's why I kind of skipped down to verse 10 through 17 this morning. And so as we begin to think about that then, we need to define what parables are. So what are parables? Number one there in your outline, what are parables? And to give you a definition that comes from another commentator here, a parable is an extended story using familiar facts from daily life to convey spiritual truth. Let me say that again. A parable is, is an extended story using familiar facts from daily life to convey spiritual truth. But what, is, what are parables? First of all, parables are stories of the common. They're stories of the common. They're, they're stories taken from everyday life. Uh, they're stories about things that we know or things that the people of Jesus' day would know, they would be familiar with. It's not something strange to them, but it's something they know. It's something common. Wouldn't have to, it wouldn't take a lot of thought, but it's a story of, of the common, of common occurrences. Second, it's, they are stories that convey spiritual truth. They are stories that convey spiritual truth. That's important to, to notice there. These are stories that convey spiritual truth. They're stories of the common that convey a spiritual truth. They take something that is intangible and make it tangible. When we think about spiritual truths, spiritual things are, are things that we can't see. We can't feel. We can't touch them. We can't just study them with our eyes. They're spiritual. And guess what? We're, yes, we are spiritual, but we're most common with the, the, the fleshly, right? The physical. We live in the physical realm, and, and so our minds are always tuned into physical things, what, what, the, what the world is doing around us. And so what we, what we see in, in teaching Scripture, even as a pastor, uh, when it comes to teaching deep spiritual truths, uh, those things are, are hard to grasp. They're hard to understand, especially for minds that are always set on the physical things that we can touch and feel. And so what you have to do often when you teach spiritual truths is you have to use a physical illustration something that people are familiar with, something that is common, something that people understand. And you take that, that, that thing, that, uh, that story, that illustration that people understand, they can see this, they can feel it, they can study it, and then you apply it to something that is spiritual. You make these comparisons and contrast. And you see, that makes it easier for us to understand. When you talk about the Holy Trinity, now let me just verify, or let me just uh, add this in here. When you're talking about the Trinity, if you use illustrations, sometimes you can get yourself in trouble. But 
When it comes to the Trinity, though, that's something that is very hard for us to understand. And, and so sometimes we have to kind of connect it to, to things that we know, the things in the physical world, to kind of get some kind of grasp of understanding on that. So Jesus is doing the same thing. He is a, Jesus is a great teacher. He is an awesome teacher. And he is one who knows this. He knows the, the mind, the human mind, and he uses things like parables, stories about the common, common occurrences to illustrate things that are spiritual so that the common mind can understand spiritual things. And so that's the aim of parables. They are common stories used to convey spiritual truth. They make the intangible, the spiritual things that we can't see and touch and feel and observe with our eyes, and they make them tangible. All right, everybody got that? I was like, so they're common stories to convey spiritual truths, but they're also stories with one main point. They're stories with one main point. As another commentator says, a parable may convey other images and implications but it has one main point established by a basic comparison or internal juxtaposition all right so a parable in fact you you think about that parable uh, similar to parallel right and so the parable takes and, and it lays something beside it parallels it, it parallels a a common physical truth with a spiritual truth. It parallels them, puts them side by side to bring understanding. But they are meant to convey one main point. Now we can pull more things from them. We can pull uh, more application as we, look at these, as, as we look at these parables. As we study them, we can find more application to them. But there's one spiritual truth. Let me get you, give you an illustration of, of this because often people try to make more of parables than they really are. One example of this is the parable in Luke chapter 16 of uh, the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man and Lazarus, you remember the story? The rich man, he lived in a house and Lazarus, he was a poor man who laid at the rich man's gate. And Time came and the rich man died and Lazarus died and Lazarus went to be in Abraham's bosom. He went to heaven to, to be with Abraham, in other words. And the rich man, because he had denied God and lived his life away from God, he, of course, went to hell. And so you have this picture of the rich man in hell and Lazarus up in heaven with Abraham. And a lot of people try to take that, that image that is given to us in that parable and, and come up with full theologies about what heaven and hell are like. I, I mean, really, can you see hell from heaven? Well, if you look at the rest of Scripture, you say, no, you can't. You say, that's not the point of the parable. That's not Jesus' point in telling that story. And, and so we can't build whole theologies on heaven and hell based upon this parable. What's the point of the parable? Well, Jesus tells us the point of the parable. In Luke, look, or don't look there, I'll read it to you. Luke chapter 16, verse 27 through 31. And the rich man said then, or he said, Then I beg you, Father Abraham, 
to send him, send the uh, Lazarus, to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And Abraham said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. And you see, that is the point of the parable. That's the whole point of the parable. When you read it in context and you see the, the, the Pharisees and the scribes and all of those people out there, they're, trying to, they're coming at Jesus. They're attacking Jesus. They're trying to trip Jesus up and, and catch him in uh, a lie. Right? They're trying to catch him teaching something false. Though Jesus is out there and he is fulfilling the word of God, he is the prophet like Moses who does mightier works than Moses with all the miracles he is performing. And though he is out there fulfilling the law and the prophets, all of these people refuse to believe. And the whole point of that parable there is Jesus saying, if they don't believe God's word, if they don't look at God's word and see that I am the Messiah and trust in me, then neither will they believe if one rises from the dead. And that in itself was a prophecy because when Jesus rose from the dead, the Pharisees, the scribes, all of those who had sent Jesus to the cross still refused to believe in him. And so there is the main point of that parable. So parables don't have multiple points. We can draw multiple application often from the parables, but the parables have one central point to tell us. So we need to, to make sure we understand that. So parables are stories of the common, stories that convey spiritual truth and stories with one central point point so then why parables why what what's the point of parables if that's what they are why use parables and and indeed that's the question that the disciples ask look there in verse 10 then the disciples came and said to him why do you speak to them in parables and so that's what jesus is, is un, about to unfold for us the, is the why that's what parables are, but now here we see the why. Why parables? Parables, first of all, are a judgment against spiritual blindness. Parables are a judgment against spiritual blindness. Notice what G Jesus says there, excuse me. Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them to you. It has been given to know the secret of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. 
Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For, because, this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. You see, parables are a judgment. They're a judgment against the blind. Those who refuse to hear. Those who refuse to see. We understand that that blindness, first of all, is a natural state. Blindness is a natural state. Each and every one of us are blind. We're born blind to spiritual things. Romans chapter 3 tells us that no one is righteous, not even one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Now notice there, it doesn't say some are not righteous. It doesn't say a few are not righteous. It says none is righteous, no, not one. You see, dear friend, each and every one of us are born blind to the things of God. Each and every one of us are slaves to sin, as we read earlier in the book of Romans. We're all blind. We're all deaf. We are all sinners against God. And we are born that way. It is a natural condition for us. It is a natural state of being. But also notice that it is a desired state. Blindness is also a desired state. Look at at verse 15. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their eyes they can barely see, and their eyes they have closed. They're blind. But on top of that, they close their eyes. It, it is a desired state. That's, that's the, when, we're, when we are blind, we don't want to have sight. When we are blind, we don't want to see. We don't want to hear the things of God. It hurts our ears. And like all those little critters under the rocks, when you pick them up and you, you, the light burst in on their world. They scurry off to find some more darkness. That's how the natural world is when the light of Jesus Christ comes in to shine. The sinful heart runs to find the darkness. It's a natural condition, but it's a desired condition. It's not like, it's not like people are born blind and they don't like it, Right? It's not that you don't like your blindness. When you were blind, it's not like you didn't like the blindness. You liked it. In fact, you loved it. There are probably, no, I know there are some here today who are living in darkness, and you don't want to be in the light. Oh, you don't mind living out on the edges to, to feel good about yourself, but you don't like the light. 
You don't want to get involved in church because you might feel a little pressure. You don't like the light. You don't want to be in the light. You love the darkness. And you long to stay in the darkness. The people in Jesus' day, they long to be in the darkness. As you begin to, to read Matthew, you begin to understand this. Jesus, up until this point, had spoke to them plainly. It spoke to them plainly. He had been out teaching in the world, teaching plain truth. And now, in chapter 13, now we see a turn. We see a transition in the gospel. Now Jesus is, is no longer speaking to them plainly. Now he begins to speak to them in parables because they rejected the plain truth. This is an act of judgment. Jesus says they rejected the truth. They rejected the plain teaching of the truth. Now as an act of judgment, I'm going to speak to them in parables so that they can't understand. I'm going to harden their hearts a little more. They've rejected me, and now this is the judgment. And that judgment continues, by the way. This is a, a progression of things. What's the next progression? 1 Corinthians, we see the next projection, the final, uh, uh, the final stage of this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 22, Paul tells us the purpose of tongues. He's had a long discussion about tongues, speaking in tongues. Of course, tongues is speaking in a, a, a language that uh, people... The person does not know, and the people around him or her do not know. And, and Paul says, here's the purpose. Thus tongues are, not, are, are a sign not for believers, right? Speaking in tongues is not a sign for believers, those who believe the gospel, but for unbelievers. While prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers, the Word of God is for those who receive it. The prophecy, the preaching, the proclamation of God's Word. That's for believers who, who long for it and want it and they desire it. And so God gives them more and more and more. But He said, tongues, that's a sign for the unbelievers. That's a judgment. They can't understand it. And so the progression goes. Jesus talks to them plainly and they reject Jesus. And so as a sign of judgment upon them, he comes to them in parables, using common things to, to portray spiritual truth, but, but they don't understand. They didn't understand it plainly. They're sure not going to understand the parable. And next, he's going to speak to them in tongues that they cannot understand. The judgment grows and grows and grows. It's an act of judgment upon the spiritually blind who love their blindness and have no desire to reach out to Christ. That's the purpose of the parables. It is a judgment against spiritual blindness. But do note 
But it's not like Jesus has taken away the invitation, right? For this people's heart has grown dull, and, and with their eyes they can barely see, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. You see, he still lays that out if they would turn. I would heal them. I would forgive them. I would save them. But it is an act of judgment against spiritual blindness. But it also is. Parables are a judgment against spiritual blindness, but they are also a blessing upon spiritual sight. They are a blessing upon spiritual sight. Look at verse 11 and 12. To you, talking to his disciples, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And look over in verse 16. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. You see, parables are also a blessing upon spiritual sight. Spiritual sight itself is a, a blessing of God. Spiritual sight, spiritual healing, hearing is a God-given state. It is a God-given state. But to them, it has been given. It has been given. It's not something that they earned, Right? That's not what he says. To you, you have earned this, right? To you, it has been given. Given to know the secrets of God. God has given you a gift to hear. It's a God-given condition. By grace, you have been saved. Through faith. And it's not of your own doing. It's a free gift of God. Not a result of works, lest anyone should boast. Spiritual sight, spiritual hearing is a gift of God, a God-given state. And it's also a desired state. It is a desired state. You see, they're the, the, the people of old, but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see. They did not see it. They desired it. Why did they desire it? Why do disciples desire to see more of Jesus, get more of Jesus, learn more about his kingdom? Why do they want it and thirst for it and hunger for it? Because God has changed their desires. He's given them a new heart. Not a heart that is hardened against God. 
Not a heart that's hardened against truth, but a heart that's soft. A heart that's hungry for the Lord. And you see, those who love Christ and those who have received this gift from God, this blessing from God, they want more. And they listen to the parables. They listen to them closely. Digging, digging, digging to get the truth out. And when they don't understand, they go to Jesus, they go to His Word, and they, they study His Word so that they can find the truth. That's a heart that has ears to hear and eyes to see. It not only has been given that gift by God, but it desires more. It hungers and thirsts for more. And so the disciples, as they hear these parables, it's not a judgment upon them. It's a blessing to teach them more about His kingdom. And Jesus says, if you don't understand, just come to me and I'm going I'm to teach you. I'm going to help you understand. So, why parables? Parables are a judgment against spiritually blind and they are a blessing upon those with spiritual sight. So how, may, how might we apply all of this then? How might this apply to us today? Today in this place, there are some who are hearing all of this. And you're taking it all in. Saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, teach me. Your heart is glad to receive His Word. Oh, yes, I want more. I want more. I want more. Praise be to God, your heart is glad to get more of Jesus in it. But there's some who are here and they're hearing this. They're hearing the words of God. And you really have no interest in it. You're just kind of sitting there in a daze. I'm here. The, the, the preacher's just blah, 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 and along. Really not interested in what he's saying. I just want to get my brownie points and get out of here. Your heart's dead. Your heart's blind. It cannot see, it cannot hear. It doesn't want spiritual truth. And then there's some, you're just not sure. You're just not sure where you fit in this. That seems interesting, but I, I don't know. Maybe you thought, well, in the past, you know, I, I said this prayer and I did all of these things, but I'm just not sure. What do you do? When Jesus begins to speak in parables, what do you do? Dear friends, here's what you do. You seek and you will find. Seek and you will find. That's what Jesus promises. Seek and you shall find. Knock, and it will be opened unto you. Jesus says, seek me. Come after me. 
Reach for me. Hold on to me. Don't let go of me. And I will give myself to you. If your heart's dead, you'll have no desire for that. But if there's an ounce of life in you to grab onto Jesus, grab onto Jesus. I'm reminded of the story of Jacob when he came to the form of the, the Jabbok River. And he sent his family across and he stayed on the other side by himself that night. And the Lord came to Jacob in, in the night and Jacob wrestled with with the Lord all night long, wrestled with him, wrestled with him, wrestled with him. And when day broke, the Lord said, let go of me. And Jacob said, I ain't letting go until you bless me. I'm not letting go, Lord, until you bless me. If you here are here today and you have any doubt in your mind, reach out and grab a hold of the Lord and don't let go and say, I'm not letting go until you bless me. And He will bless you. He will give you life. Everlasting life. What are you waiting for? The longer you wait, the harder your heart grows. Jesus comes and speaks plainly. Listen to the truth. Respond to the truth. Lest He come and speak to you in parables. And if He's speaking to you in parables, reach out, grab a hold. I'm not letting go of you until I understand, until I have a part of you. Lest He begin to speak to you in a language you cannot understand. Today is the day of salvation. Will you hear the Lord? Will you respond to Him? Will you latch on to Him with all that you have? Say, bless me, Lord. I don't know where I am. I don't know what I am. But Lord, I need Your blessing. Bless me. And God, bless you and save your soul oh heavenly father Lord what a terrible thing to imagine that one might get to a point in their life where The Word of God has no effect whatsoever. They've turned away from it, proclaimed plainly. They've turned away from it spoken in parables, and they've turned away when it was spoken in a, un, a language that they could not understand. And all they have left is eternal judgment. But Lord, while there's breath in our bodies, by Your power and by Your grace, a cold, dead heart can be transformed into a heart of flesh. Oh Lord, let Your grace fall upon us today. Certainly, Lord, today there are some who have hardened their hearts in the past. Break that hard shell. Give them life. Give them life.
Let them see Jesus. Let them see, let them hear Jesus. Let them grab a hold. And not let go. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Stand with us if you will. Today...